0: On today's episode, I am talking to Kara Rep who is a nutritional therapist and she taught me so much about nutrition and hormonal health. I felt like I was sitting in a session with her as a nutritionist and she was telling me everything about how to support my PMDD through nutrition. We also talked about diet culture, about exercise, about calories and how we do not think that calories should be on menus in the UK at the moment. And we talked about how the two of us are going to overthrow the patriarchy. My name is Sana, I'm the Period PT, and this is the Period Pod. Welcome Kara and thank you so much for um meeting me and for speaking to me on the period pod today. Um you are going to explain a little bit to me about what you do as a nutritional therapist who is specializing in hormonal health if i say that i mean you you specialize in a lot more than than just that um but you'll uh definitely know a lot about hormonal health but before we get into that can you just explain a little bit to me what nutritional therapy is
1: yeah so it's so lovely to be here um mm-hmm. Nutritional therapy is um, a form of applied biochemistry. So essentially what we're doing is we're taking a human's known unique biochemistry and we're applying um, outside influences to it to uh, kind of interfere with it and interact with it and get a desired outcome from it. So Food is the building blocks of life. We are quite literally what we eat, Um, although it's more accurate to say we are what we absorb because you can be eating all the best food in the world and not actually absorbing the majority of the nutrition from that. But if food is our building blocks and food is what makes us, then we can choose to make optimal choices within that. So nutritional therapy essentially looks at the presenting symptoms that someone is coming with. We act as detectives and we go down the kind of um, river of those symptoms and go, okay, if this person is presenting with X, Y and Z, this system will probably be compromised. So our focus needs to be on supporting, say, the liver rather than the hormones, because it's never the upstream problem that's the problem. It's been affected by something far, far down the stream. Mm -hmm. So nutritional therapy will often be described as functional medicine, and all that right. that means is we are looking at the body as a holistic functional whole and we're trying to make it function as best as possible. Um, all systems go, all systems in harmony with each other and not just looking at a pill for an ill, um, which is how allopathic medicine works, conventional medicine. We would you know go with the symptom, get a pill for that symptom. Mm-hmm. You can also have that in nutrition that you can get a supplement for that symptom, but that's not what a nutritional therapist does. We are trying to look at what has triggered this illness what is driving it forward and how can we remove those triggers and drivers for the person's optimal fertility or well-being hmm. and and what kind of illness do
0: i need to think about then so what kind of issues would someone have when they end up with you is that someone who has been to the doctor has done all the medication and still feels like this is not helping me is is that what i'm thinking about for
1: example Well, I would love it if everyone just saw a nutritional therapist when they turned 18. Right. (laughs) Like how people go to the dentist. I would love people to view nutritional therapy like dental checkups, essentially. We are not taught um, how to eat. We just simply aren't. We think we're taught how to eat, but marketing teaches us how to eat. And that is not actually how you're supposed to eat. Um, So this is not knowledge that I was born with. This is knowledge that I did six years of clinical education for. So I would love for people to have that six years of knowledge just given to them on their 18th birthday so that then they wouldn't have to come see me when they're 34, when they're 55, when they're in their 60s Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't get sick in the first place if they had more of a knowledge about what to eat for their unique biochemistry. So Mm -hmm. I would love nutrition to be completely preventative, but in reality, especially post-pandemic, we are just not living in that reality at all. So nine times out of 10, people washing up on my shores have been to a gynecologist, been to a fertility specialist, been to the doctor maybe six times in the last four months, um, been to every kind of specialist nurse, and still are not well or another classic that i hear is i'm not getting anywhere with you know fill in Mm -hmm. the blank yeah Um, and i come from an nhs background i come from a nursing background i have the complete and most utter respect for the system but in light of what has happened over the last two years our system is on its knees and where it's failing is in chronic health and that's what i see so you know conventional medicine is totally and utterly life-saving and amazing and I rely on it myself for acute medical conditions but we are living in a society full especially from a female point of view full of chronic health conditions and stress-related abnormalities and that's not something that can really be fixed with a pill Right. I'd love for it to be, I would love for it to be, it would make my job a lot easier, but we need to change the internal environment to affect to change. So yeah, to answer your question, I'd love it to be preventative. I'd love for mm-hmm. people to come see me before they get sick. In fact, I think that would be the most radical act of self-love anyone could give themselves is yeah. when they would just show up before the issue happened. But the majority of people are coming really on their knees. Um, yeah and that is certainly how I showed up to nutritional therapy years and years ago was at my rock bottom. So right. when folks show up like that, I have the deepest sense of empathy and compassion because that is what we are kind of trained to do. We are trained to think that the system will save us. And when it doesn't, that's yeah. when we look for alternatives.
0: Cause do you, would you like to share a little bit about your, about your yeah. journey then
1: your personal journey? Yeah, of course. So, um, I started out in this world knowing I was going to be a healer of some description yes. um, and kind of through the school system really got shown that the best possible path for me would be nursing. Um, I, Although in my head, I always had slightly bigger versions of that. I always thought I would be some kind of naturopath or homeopath or something like that. But um, the kind of de- desired career path at that point was nursing. So I went and studied pediatric nursing at RGU in Aberdeen and um, ever the perfectionist I um my rotation was in pediatric AE. So I was kind of at the um forefront of very, very, very sick children. So essentially trauma all day, every day. Yeah. Um and I doubt it's any different for student nurses now. But when I was a student nurse, we really were thrown in at the deep end and there was no there wasn't much support, you know, it was learn Mm. on the job and try and survive the shift, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we had a lot more responsibility than I felt as trainees, we really should have done. Um, But we used to get these big, long summer holidays. And um, on one of them, I went away to Mongolia with a friend to go yak herding, um, on horseback. Amazing. The normal way to relax. (laughs) Um, and really I'd ridden my whole life, but really on that trip got, you know, phenomenally into it. Um, and when we got back to the UK about a month later, we decided to um, go for a ride to a local pub down in Leicester. And it was an unremarkable Sunday, truly an unremarkable Sunday. Um, but I had an instinct that maybe I shouldn't be getting on a horse that day. Um, and I just overrode it. I was like, "Don't be silly. You don't need to listen to yourself on this one, Cara. It it's fine." Um, and I got on the horse, and the horse blew her girth out, which basically means she filled herself with air. And so when I got on, the saddle slipped, and that had never happened to me before. You know, I've been riding for twenty odd years at that point, and that had never happened. And again, that little alarm bell in my brain was going, "Not the day to be on a horse, Cara." But I just got off the horse. I am. Yeah. Um, tightened up the garth and got on anyway about five minutes later we were galloping along my horse saw herself in a puddle all four legs jumped one way and I went the other way oh, um and I broke my back in three places oh um, my goodness yeah and I uh did the most phenomenal amount of soft tissue damage you know you can imagine doing to your back um I had quite a lot of other issues at the time, although we didn't know about it. But I was airlifted out of that field um, to trauma unit, and yeah, um, I had to rehab from there. And it was, you know, I'd essentially gone from being being part of the NHS to being a patient of the NHS. Yeah. And yeah. the treatment that I received, I totally trusted. Um, and. I totally trusted the cocktail of pain medication I was in. I was uh-huh. on, I was very, very grateful to it at the time because I was in the most excruciating amount of pain.
0: I can um, imagine, yeah. Well, I can't imagine, but you, yeah, yeah was, you must have was, been, yeah.
1: Yeah, you do whatever you need to do at that point, you know, but I just got sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And I went back to nursing and I just couldn't manage the shifts anymore. Um, so they put me on kind of more community-based work, but I couldn't manage that. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I was essentially bed bound mm-hmm. and having to be taken back home by my best friend and my parents, like the three hours down the road. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really stand up or properly walk for 10 months after that. Um, I was completely and utterly in excruciating pain. It didn't matter how much physiotherapy I did, mm-hmm. how much, how many neurosurgeons we went to how um how many pain consultants i saw mm-hmm. my pain didn't change and my movement didn't really change my hands were bouncing up i really had not much control left in my hands you know my arms were moving right. but yeah. my fine motor skills were just shot um and my wonderful mother just refused to give up. And she just kept researching, kept researching, kept researching. Yeah. And um, she wondered if maybe nutrition could help me. And right. I thought she was crazy. I yeah. really thought it was the most stupid thing anyone had ever suggested. So I very begrudgingly went to go and see who I now know is one of the most experienced nutritionists in the UK. Okay, <laughs> at yeah. the time, And she later became my lecturer and mentor. But at the time I had no idea who this woman was. I thought she was just raving mad. Like this is just going to be the worst thing ever. Yeah. And I sat there with my arms folded the whole time, just scowling at this woman being like, how is a carrot going to help my spinal injury? <laughs> you know, I was so mad. Um, but she told me that day, pretty much the diet that I now follow, the lifestyle that I now follow. She told me that day and, um, yeah, she put some pretty extreme dietary changes in, but, uh, within two weeks, all of my fine motor skills came back. Wow. My pain decreased to where it actually is now. You know, I I don't live a pain-free life. Um, the extent of my soft tissue injuries, not really possible, Uh but I'm on no painkillers. Um, I manage everything with diet, lifestyle and, and and supplementation. I live an incredibly joyful, happy life. And that is down purely to nutrition. Yeah. So, you know, it was two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. And, and, and it happened. changed. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been 10 months by this point, you know, and it gave me the opportunity to start doing my rehab properly. So by that point, every time I went to the physio, I would be worse because I had no resources, um, to actually, you know, start to heal. So yeah, then I spent a kind of further year doing intensive physiotherapy and then I signed up to a course in nutritional therapy and retrained. And retrained. Wow. What a story. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And then I have been seeing clients ever since.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, and it must help as well. If you, what, what you were just saying as well, the whole story that comes for, for your background, from your backgrounds to help clients and to help people that ways, so you must have such an, an understanding of what they're going through. And I, I bet that um, mirrors into your, your sessions with them. So how did you, uh, fell into hormonal health and the female reproductive system. Cause I think that's what you specialize in at the moment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: yeah. So I specialize in fertility and yeah. women's health. Um, how did I fall into that? That's a very, very good question. Um, <laughs> so I asked myself that all the time. <laughs> it's not an easy career. Um, I could just do, I don't know, IBS and have an easy life. Um, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, um, when I first qualified, it was natural flex to do children's nutrition. Um, so that's where I started. And that is where my roots will always be. Yeah. And then um, as my practice grew, you know, mothers started to come see me instead of their children, et cetera, et cetera. And I really, for a few years, really, really specialized in chronic health um because i felt it was really important to be a generalist more than anything else because mm. if i'm going to be a holistic practitioner and if i'm going to see that the problem um in your vaginal canal for example actually yeah. starts in your gut or actually starts with your circulation then i need to know how all of these body systems interconnect i need to see how disease works in the body so I am a complete and utter perfectionist. I'm very, very clinically driven. I like All to right. know how everything is working and I, I do not believe in non-evidenced care. So I want the evidence for everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it made sense to me to do chronic health because I was like, oh, here's the evidence. Here's the nutritional intervention. Bob's your auntie. Everything's great. Yeah. Um. So I really thrived in that environment, loved it. And, you know, especially kind of in that second pandemic year where stress was really such a huge corrosive factor in people's lives, uh-huh. I started to notice that the chronic health I was seeing was kind of in one gender. Okay. And that gender yeah. was women. Yeah. And um, then I started to notice that all of the chronic symptoms were the same and actually had the same root cause. So I, again, signed myself up for more education Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because I never stopped learning and did a specialism in um, women's health and fertility nutrition, which is different to to standard nutrition. Um, But I still wanted to keep my legs in the the general practice pool because I really Mm -hmm. feel if you're working with women, you need to see how everything is connected. Mm -hmm. So now I split my practice 50-50. 50% 50 of the time is gynae, reproduction, um, women's health periods, the menstrual cycle, you name it. And then the other 50%, I still see children. I still see, um, people with, you know, IBS and chronic health conditions because I love that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. but I, I really felt like the, the, the reason I specialize in, in women's health now and infertility is, um, if I'm going to affect, the child, potentially the offspring of the couple I'm helping with fertility. Mm-hmm. What you know, if I, if, if children was the kind of original thing that I trained in, then yeah. what's more empowering than making sure that the mother and father of that child have the most optimal circumstances for conception yeah. and pregnancy? Yeah. Because we know clinically that that affects the long term health of the child and yeah. then subsequent adult. Yeah. Um, and I just felt the more that I worked with women and the more that I sat and I held space for women mm-hmm. or I thought I can never abandon this work Yeah, this work is where the magic is. This work is so underfunded. Yeah. So full of shame. So full of the guilt stick coming out of the cupboard and it's my fault, Kara. It's my fault. It's my fault. I did yeah. this to myself. So, so patriarchal and as a pretty feminist woman I just thought I've always wanted to be on the periphery you know if I'm going yeah. to do any kind of medical support I want it to be on the periphery of what people are talking about of, mm. I want to be pushing the conversation forward essentially mm. yeah and women's health and fertility was, is just where it's at for me I find it so exciting I find it so infuriating yeah. um and- <laughs> yeah same <laughs> you know, I just never, ever, ever stop learning in it. And, and I go to work every day interested and raging at the same time. And I think that is where as, as a, as a practitioner, I should be, I should be fighting the fight in the trenches with my client. I shouldn't be blasé or sitting back or going, you know, yeah, it, everything's fine. The status yeah. quo can continue. So yeah, I find this work with women to be immeasurably rewarding, super, super exciting and successful and effective. Yeah. You know, things that, that and that's people...
0: important that, that you see that yeah. back in your work as well. And I think, I think we need more people like you on this earth. We need, we need more people to get angry. We need more people to, to be enraged, but also yes, do, do the work and do, go after the science do, do you feel like there's enough to learn that there's enough science done already for us to learn or do you feel like we've got a long way to go still
1: when well, it comes got to a female hugely health? long way to go um yeah. a hugely hugely long way to go i mean the statistics on research and, and 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 women so for example it takes 7.5 years on average for a woman in the uk to be diagnosed with endometriosis yeah um it takes three miscarriages for a woman to usually um, be offered any kind of reproductive testing to Mm. find out why those miscarriages may have occurred. Um, On average, if a woman presents with chest pain then she will wait 24 extra minutes in A&E to be seen than if a man presents with chest pain mm. if a man presents with abdominal pain again he is going to be seen in 50% less time at an A&E department than if a woman prevents mm. with severe abdominal pain um until 1993 there was no woman in pain at studies in the UK yeah. um the standard research is carried out on a six foot white man yeah. um you know, the, I could go on. The list could go on. There, even to the point where the the studies into pain medication, they use male mice. Yeah. Um, until very recently, those those test mice were 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 male, and um, there is now more gender diversity coming in in the mice. But that's mice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're still I want to be talking about about <laughs> human <mice>. women. <laughs> yeah exactly and and there is absolutely no getting away from the evidence that we do live in a patriarchal medical society Mm -hmm. that's case in point and that the wait times at the moment for female health and fertility are astronomically high and completely unacceptable Mm -hmm. um so i feel that there is enough to learn and Mm -hmm. more than enough to learn and the reason that i feel that is because we want to be going back to the ancient wisdom, the wisdom that was lost in the in the kind of uh, obliteration of 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 the the wise medicine women's ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Scotland had the highest femicide rate for where I live, for the whole of Europe. Um, and that was because they were they were um destroying witches, essentially, or women right. they class as witches but those women were the herbalists of the village or the midwife of the village or the women who dare spook up of the village you know mm, these women mm. were the were the keepers of of this, the 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 medical secrets essentially and a lot of that medicine is the medicine that we actually are using now it's just been lost for so many years and when I first became a nutritional therapist, I was so scared to say the word herbalist or the way kind of like medicine woman or even utter the W word, right? Because it was like sacrilege to say that. And I really felt like, you know, people would come after me if I used any left of center language. Mm-hmm. But the more I uncover the 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 knowledge of all of this, mm-hmm. the more evidence I see for this way. So, right. Cramp bark, for example, uh, we use in menstrual cramps. There is right. reams of of medical literature on cramp bark being effective in dysmenorrhea and period pain. Yeah. So if I was to discount that, then that's just doing a huge disservice to women. So I feel yeah. it's my duty to keep an open mind to all things and yeah. not just go down the latest research into cutting edge surgeries and cutting edge, you know, medical treatment that's available. Also look at where we've come from and what's gone behind and work out. Can these things actually be helpful in a modern age and, you know, can spending a little bit of time with first morning light, for example, and some softer light at nighttime massively help our hormonal cycle. Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, So the way that I practice nutritional therapy is probably not how uh, most people would practice nutritional therapy. And that is because I work with women um, and it's because I see there just being so much to this puzzle. You know, you are looking mm-hmm. at how is a woman sleeping? How is a woman eating? How is a woman resting? What is a woman actually thinking? What are those, is there negative thoughts inside her head that are kind of, um, uh, driving this forward um what environment is she in is she in a moldy environment is she um in a polluted environment is she having exposure to a lot of um estrogens from plastic right what's yeah what's her supply like you know what's her relationship like what's her relationship to her body yeah. what's her relationship to the earth with which she lives does she have any connection to her cycle does she know what part of her cycle she's in
0: yeah um
1: Is there grief? Is there generational trauma there, you know, that is now presenting through? So yes, I'm prescribing vitamin D and omega-3 and telling people to eat protein three times a day. But I think the work is deeper than that, especially when we're looking at the menstrual cycle uh, and particularly PMDD, which is something I see a huge amount of actually in my practice.
0: Yeah, it's what I have, which yeah. you've probably seen on uh, online is well, how how we met on the on Instagram. Um, and for me, it's very new still, uh, 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 PMDD as well, because you were just uh, naming all of those numbers of how long it takes for a woman to get diagnosed with certain things and endometriosis and things like that. Um, and it took me 15 years or 16 years before I got diagnosed with PMDD. Um, and I find it very interesting everything that you are saying because. The first line of approach with me personally, I, I'm not saying that that's the case for every uh, GP, but with me was uh, SSRI, so antidepressants yeah. and and pills. But uh, to be honest with you, I have to say I I think my GP wasn't really aware of what PMDD was. I, I remember being on the phone with her and literally hearing her, her like type on her computer, sort of I, I imagine typing in PMDD, um, but how let's take PMDD let, the, teach me a lesson here a little bit as well. Yeah, how, course. how would you, I mean, obviously I'm not asking you to do a full, um, a full session with me. Um, but if someone comes to you with, with PMDD, what is sort of the, the general, um, way of, of working with someone? Cause it's, so it's not just nutrition then if I'm. No,
1: no. Yeah. Um, but nutrition and PR, I, this may be controversial, but Mm. I love a diagnosis of PMDD because then (laughs) I can get to work. In fact, I don't even need someone to be diagnosed with it now. I just need them to be showing the symptoms, which is why, you know, functional medicine, nutritional therapy is so great because I don't need a label diagnosis. If you're telling me the symptoms of PMDD, I'm assuming you've got PMDD, let's get to work. Yeah. So, um, PMDD was not ever something we were taught about at university, and yet there is which tells you everything, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was in some appendix somewhere, yeah. wasn't it? Until twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um. But the, so the after research. My training. Yeah. 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 And and the research is quite big, isn't it? It's not. It's not mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we maybe spent half a day on PMS. Uh, never, never in either one of my degrees did anybody mention PMDD. Um, but PMDD is one of my favorite things to work with because we can elicit such change so quickly for people with actual with with nutrition. So PMDD is actually one of the few um female health conditions where I think nutrition has the biggest impact. Truly, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. so and the quickest, you know, with, with most people you're saying, well, how long's a piece of string? You know, this could take three months. This could take six months. I know it's going to take three months in someone with PMDD and I know mm-hmm. how it's going to go. I know in the first month we'll get halfing of the symptoms. So instead of two weeks out of the month of symptoms, we'll get one. I know mm-hmm. in the second one, we're going to probably go down to about five days. And then by the third month, we're looking at, you know, 24 to 48 hours of symptoms, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is in my mind just incredible that's Um, amazing yeah i also want to preference that i do think ssrs ssri's are helpful in um in pmdd especially you know until you you've stabilized things Um, but essentially with pmdd and with all hormonal uh, imbalances in in women and men but let's stick with women as we're talking about periods Yeah. yeah um the first thing you want to do is look at your blood sugar yeah. this we call blood glucose um but essentially your hormones are influenced by and i'm not going to go into a biochemical lecture although i absolutely could because i love this stuff <laughs> yeah um, but your hormones are influenced by where your blood glucose is so if your blood glucose mm-hmm. is very high you're going to be having uh, an effect on your hormones and mm-hmm. i'm saying hormones very broadly um the there's, loads,
0: there's loads of them, aren't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. The
1: hormone I'm actually talking about here is cortisol. Cortisol is your right. stress hormone secreted by your adrenal glands. But cortisol has an effect on estrogen and progesterone, um, which is why, again, we go back to nutritional therapy. If I'm looking at hormones, I'm not looking at your estrogen and progesterone. I'm looking at what's happening in your adrenal glands on top of your kidneys, with right. your cortisol. And then I'm looking at your blood glucose. Do you see how this is yeah. a total yeah. detective work? But in order to affect functional change, we need to make sure that your cortisol remains as stable as possible mm-hmm. at the right concentrations at the right points in the day and at no, no constant, you know, less concentrations at other points in the day when mm-hmm. you need to sleep, for example. So, With someone with PMDD, the first thing I want to do is make sure that their blood glucose is stable, so their cortisol is stable, so their progesterone and estrogen is stable. Mm -hmm. So that involves eating protein and fat at every single meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. It means meals of equal proportion. So breakfast being the same size as lunch, being the same size as dinner, not a focus on lunch and dinner being the main meals of the day, because you Mm -hmm. miss a whole meal early on in the day of nutritional benefits by having the majority of your macronutrients at lunch and um, dinner. It's also incredibly important in anything with the menstrual cycle to not be eating refined processed carbohydrates for Mm -hmm. breakfast in the morning. So no woman's hormone. And I can say this categorically will mm-hmm. benefit from a carbohydrate based breakfast right. um, that will send them skittering. So,
0: so so, just to just to give a little bit of an example, what do I think about with a um, with a breakfast like that, for example?
1: Yeah. So a uh, processed uh, carbohydrate based breakfast is all breakfast cereal, porridge, right. toast, um, anything like that. Uh, protein balanced based breakfast with fats and, and and micronutrients in it is eggs and vegetables potato mm-hmm. omelette scrambled eggs with veg it's chia seed pudding mm-hmm. it's yogurt with berries it's bircher banner it's maybe some chicken or uh, po- uh pure pork sausages mm-hmm. maybe leftovers from the night before it could be bone broth um and i am not the joy thief here. I'm not saying never eat a carbohydrate for breakfast again. I do every day. But what is important is my carbohydrates are balanced with the protein. Right. So two eggs, a couple of portions of vegetables, maybe a piece of fruit, and then I'll have a slice of toast.
0: Yeah. Um, Which is people... really, now that you were saying this, For what's also so interesting to me when we talk about nutrition, and I, I also work from... Um, a, a no diet culture perspective because I, I just don't believe in diet culture and I think it's marketing uh, scam. But when, right. when you talk to me about a breakfast like that, all I'm hearing is, whoa! I, ca- I can't, I can't eat all of that in the morning. That's a yeah. huge breakfast. And we've yeah. been taught we need to, we need to eat little, a little bowl of, of, of porridge with a little bit of of berries in it, or something like that, like small portions in the not morning. Enough. But you're explaining a whole buffet to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's not enough. If you eat a small amount of porridge in the morning, I guarantee you'll be hungry by eleven. Yeah. And what I we always know, am reason- when I yeah. when I eat like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what we know from the research is that um, how you break your fast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How how you the the first intentional meal of the day sets the entire tone for the calorific intake and the type of calories. Now I don't use the word calories lightly here. What yeah. This is research, but the type of calories that you are consuming. So a carbohydrate based breakfast early on in the morning will elicit a carbohydrate craving pattern for the rest of the day. Right. Researched well known. Um so you will be snacky at 11am you will be snacky at the dreaded 2pm snap um slump you will be craving sweetie foods long after your dinner you'll need a coffee at about 4pm yeah. you know all of these common things that in the western civilization we've classed up as being normal yeah. um not normal you're supposed to not be hungry between breakfast and lunch no um, yeah you know i i eat three meals a day and 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 work a job where I'm burning a lot of fuel a lot of energy because I'm using my brain a lot um and I'm not going oh my God like where's my cake at 4 pm and 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 the only times I do is when I mistakenly have something that is too carbohydratey for breakfast right um, but it's not to ban an entire or demonize an entire food group carbohydrates are so needed for the hormonal cycle it's to yeah. say let's move the um spotlight from carbohydrates that are just being marketed to us by clever companies. Yeah. You know, such as Special K. Um, <laughs> nothing special about special <laughs> K, let me tell you that. Um, to to protein and fat being the star attraction. And let's move carbohydrate to backing singer status. Um, yeah. That's that's where I want it, ideally for hormonal health. So then we would maybe start with PMDD, we'd start to look at the types of vegetables you're having for breakfast. So I would want it to be brassica focused because brassicas, so broccoli, kale, cabbage, Cavolo, Nero, okay, press, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, brassicas are very good at supporting estrogen metabolism through the mm-hmm. liver, especially phase one and phase two conjugation. And that's helpful when, um, when, Uh, You've got tender breasts when you're feeling that kind of rage, weepy, that kind of thing can be very Mm -hmm. good to get that estrogen moving a little bit quicker and a little bit safer through Mm -hmm. the liver. Um, So then, you know, same thing applies for lunch. We're looking at, okay, lunch is not a sandwich. It is not a wrap. It is not a pasta salad. Um, There's ways to make the Tesco meal deal super healthy, but it shouldn't be what we gravitate for and what we rely on our whole kind of latter section of the working days energy from. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I see with women eight times out of 10 is totally and utterly skipping lunch.
0: Yeah. Can't skip yeah. lunch. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: And yeah. also just
0: adding to that as well, from a movement perspective and a fitness perspective, all of the foods that you've just been describing like everything and carbohydrates are very needed as yeah. well and you you cannot it's it's not as simple as eat less and move more if you stop moving more you're going to eat more because you need more fuel you need more totally. to burn fuel, um and substrate and yeah. what's also interesting to me is the the type of foods that you are explaining this is another I think, issue with the society that we have at the moment and the sort of marketing that's been put on us. We're not used to eating vegetables in the morning. That's weird, isn't it? We need Mm -hmm. something like yogurt or or cereal or toast or something sweet. It's never
1: vegetables, which is mad actually because why why can't we eat vegetables in the morning total marketing you need vegetables because you need the micronutrients in the vegetables you need the fiber especially for hormonal health you need fiber and you need micronutrients you need b6 you need folate you need b12 that isn't coming from a slice of toast no unless and people please don't come at me when talk about fortification (laughs) here you know but, but 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 fortified products are not the synergistic blend of Micronutrients that are coming from a bit of broccoli, yeah. No, no vitamin or mineral or antioxidant or phytonutrient can be fully absorbed in its singular form. It needs its synergistic complement of Mm -hmm. other nutrients to come with it. Yeah. Um, So that's why fortification isn't really an effective way of 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 getting uh, optimal optimal nutrition into yeah. people yeah um, so for lunch we're looking at okay how do we get more micronutrients in at this point how do we get more protein how do we get more dietary diversity soup yeah. is excellent what british people love to do with soup and this is no criticism this is our uh you know upbringing and culture is completely remove the protein from <laughs> soup so carrot and coriander that is just water vegetables and some some coriander, right. there's nothing yeah. nutritious about that other than the beta carotene you're getting from the carrot. So yeah. you need to be really, really, really concrete about it. if you're having soup, it has to be a hearty soup. It yeah. has to have a source of protein in it. Um, So a source of protein in this respect for soup would be chicken soup, mm-hmm. bone broth. Um, You can put bone broth into vegetable-based soups. You can also mm-hmm. buy packeted bone broth. You can buy powdered bone broth. You don't need to you know, be stewing your own bones. Um, mm-hmm. if you are a vegetarian or vegan, you would be looking at maybe sprinkling tofu on top of your soup or feta mm-hmm. on top of your soup or grating some cheese into that. You might want to use a bean or a pulse. The best bean pulse um, situation for soup would be lentils because they are the highest in protein. The majority of beans can be quite a carbohydrate based. So you're not really, although you're getting protein, you're also getting quite a whack of carbohydrates alongside right. it, you know, yeah. um, yeah. So soups, you may be looking at leftovers. You may be looking at a salmon salad, chicken salad, um, you know, that kind of thing for lunch. Soup in a salad, soup in a wrap, that kind of thing. Um, Avocado uh, on toast, mackerel on toast, mackerel patty, chicken liver patty. So what I really want to see with women and fertility when I'm looking at supporting their hormones is I want to see nutrient density. Mm Mm-hmm not talking about calorie density. I'm talking about nutrient density. Yeah, so yeah. is that food giving you the most possible bang for your buck? Is yeah. that food having a having a biochemical response in your body? And what I want to see is I want to see protein and fat, and I want to see high levels of micronutrients. So yeah. avocado is great for monounsaturated fatty acid. Eggs, mm. phenomenal source of amino acids and protein, vitamin mm. D, B12, that kind of thing. Broccoli. Rich in vitamin C, iron, fame, I3C, and DIM, so the master for estrogen dominance. Right, really, the that where coming to see a nutritional therapist kind of pays for itself is you stop eating the things that are are less powerful and start eating the things that are more powerful for your health. Yeah, and so you get. To the root of the problem quicker, and you address it quicker because you know I need that specific thing for that specific thing.
0: Yeah. Um, and 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 there's another interesting fact that you were touching on is we need to stop looking at the calories because mm. oh, yes, yes, there is a amount of calories that is an average that you should be taking every day, or like. Um, depending on how much you move, depending on what your work is and things like that. But this is why I also don't agree with putting calories on menus because people are going to choose for something that maybe is, yes, less in calories, but not as high and dense in the nutrients that you need. Correct. And yeah. th- how how do you feel, feel about that?
1: Well, calories are the least important thing about diet. Mm. And in fact, I... Don't count people's calories. I don't restrict them to a calorie number. I Mm-mm. could not care less about calories in no. all honesty. And I'm a nutritionist. Yeah. <laughs> you would think I should deeply care about calories. I couldn't care less. They are so insignificant. They are a tool of the patriarchy, truly, yeah. and an inaccurate one at that. Yeah. A completely and utterly unscientific, inaccurate one at that. And the only thing I see calories doing in our society is inflicting harm specifically on women yes (laughs) and don't even get me started on the menus the level of disordered eating in this country is rising Mm -hmm. and I have to be very very careful with my language and and my work that Mm -hmm. I don't contribute to that and so my way of Making sure that I don't ever contribute to that is just bringing so much joy into my programs. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I never, ever, ever ask anyone to restrict anything other than that if that food group is causing them a major um, immune challenge. To clarify, I mean, if someone is celiac, obviously I'm going to ask them to give up gluten. Yeah. If someone um, has a dairy intolerance or has maybe sinusitis that is being made worse by the dairy, we might temporarily take it out. Yeah. Um, I myself was born with a, with a lactose intolerance. I would love to be able to eat dairy. I can't. Yeah. My point with this is you should never, ever remove a food group from someone because it's going to help you get an hourglass figure yeah. or because it's healthy. How is it healthy? How is removing gluten for someone who doesn't need to remove gluten healthy? Yeah. It's the exact same with calories. 1,200 calories, which I see being branded about all the time is like the way yeah. to lose weight. Yeah. It's not enough for a two-year-old at rest.
0: No, no, exactly.
1: And and, also, and, and and these people are then
0: going to add five workouts a week to this yeah, and eat 1,200 calories. And then they are surprised that they feel like a wet towel all the yeah. time.
1: Or actually what tends to happen is their period goes away. And that tells you everything. exactly,
0: Exactly, Yeah. yeah. Do, do you also feel that uh, periods are a, a sign of
1: health in women? percent yeah. yeah, that's a vital sign, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And, and that is evidenced. Um, yeah. That used yeah. to be in the textbooks. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Oh, because I always thought that was quite a, a new thing ago. as well. No, no, no. If we look back at, you know, ancient uh, right. medical Hippocrates, for example. with yeah. Men, uh, yeah. Yeah. The period was one of the signs they checked in women yeah. for health. Uh, medicine women were always, always looking at the the moon cycle, as they called it. Yeah. As a yeah. marker of health. Yeah. Um, so yes, that would be lunch, and then if we move on to dinner for PMDD, you're looking at again nutrient density. So we're looking at an animal-based protein or a vegetarian-based protein, and then about five portions of vegetables, and then a complex carbohydrate. So you're looking at quinoa, brown rice, buckwheat, sweet potatoes, um, cauliflower, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. You know what? If you want to have pasta, crack on, have pasta. Like I'm not going to stop anyone from having the food that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. 80 20 so 80 percent of the time eat to support your health 20 percent of the time eat to support your soul and mm-hmm. I mean that every day you know so if you have a cake in the afternoon but you've had a gorgeous breakfast lunch and dinner
0: fine of course. yeah course. fine yeah. yeah
1: right like the baby has not come out of the bath water because you had one piece of cake or yeah. <laughs> you had one glass of prosecco at the weekend you know it's okay um your joy is more important to your health than restriction ever could be. Yeah. Um. Yes. So, and then with PMDD, it's very, very important to get targeted supplementation in mm-hmm. specifically the correct form of magnesium and B6. You want yeah. the active form of B6, P5P and magnesium. You want magnesium by glycinate. I always want that to come in a complex and I've got my little trade secrets that I'm going to keep to myself, but there is, um, <laughs> there is, uh, products out there that work incredibly well for PMDD at the right ratio. Yeah. Um, and is, is that, right is rate. that
0: very personal as well for, uh, mm-hmm. every single woman? So for me with my height and my weight, would that be different for someone who is I don't yeah. know, six foot something. Yeah, taller it than I am. It'd also Naya. be how
1: you um how you constitutionally are. So if you're a very yeah. anxious person, you might need a bit less. Or right. Or if you are are having problems with your muscles, you might need a bit more, for example. So yeah supplementation can never be given that which is another problem i have with the kind of way that health is going is instagram telling people take two of these capsules once a day and your all your problems will be sorted Mm -hmm. BS, like that is that is so unsafe Mm -hmm. the thing that you have to be really conscious of with supplementation is it can interact with the the supplements can interact with each other and they Mm -hmm. can also interact with your prescription medication Which, when you're taking SSRIs, which most people with PMDD are, Mm -hmm. becomes incredibly important to get right.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So, all if you're going to take any supplements, always see a nutritional therapist. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And look for a nutritionist that is specialising in fertility. So, any nutritionist that specialises in fertility will be able to advise on female health. Mm -hmm. Um. Or they say that they work with the menopause or or female female hormones. Not all yeah. of us are trained in in hormonal health. No, so exactly. Make, make sure you're picking the correct person there. But yes, yeah, that's with with PMDD, and then um, we start looking at first morning light with PMDD. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting outside in the first uh, rays of the sun. We look at the guts in PMDD and see. What yeah, that's there. a big thing
0: uh, going on at the moment, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and then. We also look at the vaginal canal and the ecology of the vaginal canal. So, you know, vaginal microbiome testing. Um, Not every woman with PMDD needs that at all. But I have found that a lot of women with PMDD also seem to have recurrent thrush or recurrent BV or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we might be looking there. But... PMDD—it's a, it's a quick and easy one with nutrition and lifestyle. <laughs> usually, yeah. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think people think quick and easy. They think, "Oh, I take a pill and it will be done in two days." When I say quick and easy, I mean, "Oh, yeah, in three months we should get a marked improvement." Which is, and I,
0: you know, definitely quick and easy. Talking yeah, coming yeah. from someone who has PMDD, that is definitely, yeah, yeah. And and in like, I I do want to add to that as well that there are still things that it has to work for you and and what what I find the hard when when we are talking about this subject and when we were talking about um, using supplements and nutrition to to prevent your PMDD from happening or to help your PMDD or your symptoms, there will always be, and that's also the holistic uh, approach that you were talking about before, there will always be a lot more because Absolutely. maybe life's throwing you all these things at you that you you are not able to make that lovely breakfast that you were describing earlier or something very bad happens in the family or you you have th- like for me personally, just to, to give an example with that, my PMDD became significantly worse when I started my own business. I gave up my my job that had uh, an income every month and I knew what was happening. I knew what, what what I was doing. And from one day to the other, I said, nope, I'm going to do it all by myself and I'm going to be fine. And yeah, that's when the PMDD really kicked off. <laughs>
1: yeah, because it's massively driven by stress. But exactly. I think the thing... To say is, it, it's like I'm sitting here in my full humanity, and you know, I have also walked the gyny walk quite mm-hmm. recently, and I've been very open and honest about it. Um, because I recently had an abnormal smear, and that put mm. the literal wind up my sails yeah. because I felt like well, I first of all felt like the only woman in the world that that had happened to. No one was speaking about it. I felt incredibly scared and frightened, incredibly stressed. And I also felt like I couldn't have any, I didn't want to actually, because I was so stressed, have yeah. any nutritional intervention. And I didn't think there was anything. Yeah. And I'm saying this because I feel like um, we... Put so much pressure on women to you just do this lifestyle intervention and everything gets better. Yeah. When it's not that simple, life happens. We are humans, like grief happens, trauma happens, your ability to self care goes up and down. And also, you can be doing the most incredible self care in the literal world. Mm -hmm. And you might be that 3% that it doesn't work for. Yeah. Or you can be doing all the most beautiful nutrition but there is relationship trauma yeah and that is eaten away at all of the work that you're doing or you could be doing all of the work but you have a witch wound or a sister wound and so so nothing is going to change you know but I hate when people put the responsibility like oh do this and you'll be sorted I'm not saying that Mm -hmm. I'm saying because actually PMDD is a chronic health condition Mm -hmm. it will never go away
0: No, exactly. Just like my
1: back pain will never go away. I live with it every, I'm not sitting here as like a fully healed person going, everyone should do this. Yeah. Because I'm itching about in my seat right now. You can see me, you know, that's quite normal for me. Um, Our chronic health conditions remain our chronic health conditions. What nutritional therapy does is it allows you to live a happy, healthy, fulfilled life while managing those symptoms with a bit less medication. That's where I see my role, you know. Exactly, yeah not a cure all we can never cure treat or diagnose in nutritional therapy what we can is support yeah. and optimize yeah and that's really important within the boundaries of everybody's human lived existence right yeah um but i think where i would like to speak on is nothing is without hope and yeah. if you feel i've found myself multiple points in my life and in my career in a dark kind of there is no hope um for my health or this person's health but that is so far from the truth Mm -hmm. um if we can move for someone with a chronic health condition if we can move the needle five percent forward that's remarkable Mm -hmm. um and deserves celebration and i speak a lot on my instagram about little wins and i really really feel that you know but i would never want anyone to feel with their hormonal health that is not getting anywhere with their GP or not getting anywhere with the system with which they find themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not hopeless. Yeah. Um, and you're not alone. That's the other thing, right? Yeah. As women, if we can just open up the conversation and say, this has happened to me and I felt really alone and I felt really scared. Um, we are changing people's lives, you know, it, by, st- by telling people about your PMDD and your symptoms. hmm People who are listening or people who are on your Instagram and recognise the symptoms might go to the doctor, armed with an information pack, and asked to be diagnosed. And their exactly. life changes exactly. You know? Or yeah. if I, you know, share about how it's very important to go for your smear test, yeah. someone who might not have wanted to because they were scared of it is motivated because yeah. they've seen someone showing up in humanity and saying this is really hard, but I did it, and this is why it's important. Yeah. Um. Our power comes when we start talking, right?
0: Yes, definitely, definitely. I think that's really beautifully put, and especially about about women's health, um, about the reproductive system, about people who menstruate. Like we need to talk more about this because for donkey's years, we've we've all been bottling it up and not not speaking out about it and thinking that we're crazy, especially when it comes to more of um, uh, a mental disorder or a mental health issue you you start to think I'm the only one no one believes me no one knows what I'm going through but actually in some form or way we are all going through this mm. we we are all feeling this um lastly then because I could be talking about this forever um moving away from the PMDD a little bit um but going back to hormonal health, would you have like a big tip for everyone? So regardless of PMDD or PMS or endometriosis, anything like that, what's the biggest tip that you can give people about their hormones and nutrition?
1: Eat eggs for breakfast every day.
0: That's a it very
1: will... clear cut tip. It will change your life. Oh, amazing. It will your life and
0: to finally to finish off with what is in your opinion the biggest 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 misconception about hormonal health
1: that the pill can fix it yeah
0: <laughs> the, the birth control pill you mean
1: yeah yes the oral yes. contraceptive yeah yeah
0: yeah okay interesting yeah that's also a whole story for another podcast i think but i think the pill uh, is a uh, a little bit on its downfall. I'm hoping, personally, I'm hoping that that's the case, to be honest. There's so many other ways, but yeah, that's a, that's an interesting um, story, but yeah, that is the biggest misconception. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. If people want to find you, if they now think, oh my God, I need her help. I need to, uh, to give you a ring. Where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So they can find me at at Cara Red Path nutrition on Instagram or CaraRedPathNutrition.com is my website and I work with people all across the UK on Zoom so amazing, um, yeah that's how people can find me and yeah they can reach out and they can follow follow me as I, you know, dismantle the patriarchy every day. On
0: <laughs> Same. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard life, but it's needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, amazing. I will put all of that in the show notes as well uh, for uh, for my listeners um, on, uh, on Spotify so that everyone knows where you have yeah. to go to. But thank you so much for talking to me today and oh, you um, thank you for all of your wisdom. I've learned a lot, definitely. And uh, also about PMDD. I'm so, I'm for one, I'm really glad to be talking to people about this, and to be to be he- like to hear you say that. Oh, PMDD is, is is for me is just a clear cut. This is what we're gonna do, and it's an easy thing to think about. Rather than when I say the the letters PMDD, people go, huh? What's what, that, what? What's that even- and, and 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 I'm not talking like your uncle on the street. I'm talking people who work for the NHS and people who, not saying that they should know everything all the time, but it's really liberating to talk to someone who knows exactly within a heartbeat what I'm talking about and, uh, and to know how to work with it as well. So I hope that other people who have PMDD or any um, hormonal issue have, have learned something from you today, but I'm, I'm sure they have. Thank you so much for your time.